0: Sermon for Easter Day by uh, John Pritchard, Bishop John Pritchard. One of the things Wendy and I have turned to in this year of lockdowns has been jigsaws. We've not done jigsaws for years and we've had a lot of enjoyment from them. We worked out a system. I did the simple bits and Wendy did the hard bits and it worked well. It's great seeing the picture take shape before your eyes, all the various pieces beginning to make sense and come into focus. That's how I feel when I look at the resurrection. We start with lots of pieces of information which individually don't look definitive, but put them together and you have an emerging picture of a stunning event, one that has ricocheted around the world ever since and has brought a third of the world's population to faith. Because, of course, if there's no resurrection, there's no Christianity, just a dead prophet hanging on a cross. But those who see the jigsaw as a completed picture find there an endless source of hope and energy and inspiration. The old world, frozen in negativity and confusion, it defrosts around us and comes alive in glorious colour. And we know that this is what we're made for life in full colour, life in abundance. So let's look at those pieces of the jigsaw that together convince Christians that Christ is truly let loose in the world, even today in a world battered by COVID. Here's the first piece. There was an empty tomb. It's in the earliest tradition and no one at the time seems to have disputed the fact. So the question is, why was the tomb empty? Could the Jewish authorities or Pilate have taken the body of Jesus away for safekeeping, to stop a dangerous cult developing? If so, then why didn't they produce the body when those silly stories of resurrection started circulating? OK, so maybe the disciples took the body away. But then why would they die for what they knew to be a lie? Every one of them, except John, died for their faith here's piece number two jesus kept on appearing to his followers for weeks afterwards so hallucination hardly not over such a long period in such a such down-to-earth ways look at the gospels and to so many people paul in 1 corinthians even records christ being seen by 500 people at one time I once ate a daffodil in church on Easter morning to make the point that if someone in the congregation went home and said that the vicar ate a daffodil in church, he might not have been believed. But if 250 people from church all went home and said the same thing, you'd have to start taking it seriously. Sadly, I have to tell you, I ate too much of the daffodil and was sick. I tried it again on another occasion. And I was sick again. Here's jigsaw piece number three. The disciples were utterly changed, top to toe, inside out. Here were frightened, demoralised men and women who'd seen their hopes catastrophically destroyed on the cross, but now fearlessly out on the streets telling everyone that Jesus had been raised to life and they'd met him. It was crazy inviting death for themselves, unless they just couldn't contain themselves, unless it was true. Lord Blair, Ian Blair, formerly Commissioner of the Met, said that as a detective, this was for him the definitive evidence for the resurrection. Nothing else could account for such a reckless change of heart. Piece number four, the existence of the worldwide church and the 2.4 billion Christians today. You can fool all of the people some of the time, and some of the people all of the time, but you can't fool so many, so much, and for so long. You can't base such a huge worldwide religion on a fundamental untruth. Such a deceit is bound to collapse under its own falsity. Want another piece of the jigsaw? Number five? How about the phenomenal claims made about Jesus by the people who'd once known him personally? They lived with him, night and day. They'd, they'd done the washing up with him. They'd gone swimming with him. They'd laughed and sung with him in those long winter evening meals. And now they were saying he was divine. The first Christians fell over themselves trying to find titles and phrases that were exalted enough Look at Philippians or Colossians or indeed any of the letters in the New Testament. Something immense had happened to make them say all this. Okay, that's five pieces of the jigsaw. But there's another crucial piece without which all these others might still seem unconvincing. And that's the personal experience of ordinary Christians. Of people like you and me. Is there some way we ourselves can say that we have known the risen Christ, experienced the risen Christ? Because otherwise, this could all be an interesting intellectual exercise, but the jigsaw won't really come together. It won't show the picture of a a risen Christ. It'll just show ideas about a risen Christ, an interesting theory. As a newly committed Christian, I once argued the case for the resurrection with my atheist grandmother. At the end, she said, All right, you might have won the argument, but you'll never convince me. I felt as if I'd crushed a butterfly. Argument without personal experience isn't enough. In a matter like the resurrection, of course, we're venturing into what's ultimately a mystery, a different dimension of truth. Truth is always bigger than the facts. It includes the facts, of course, but it's bigger. So ordinary categories of proof don't actually work with the resurrection. It's like asking if a a late Beethoven quartet is true. What does that mean? It's like trying to describe what it's like falling in love. It's like trying to measure courage in pounds and ounces. So we need a large piece of our jigsaw called personal experience that's deeper than mere argument. In what way can I describe my experience of the risen Christ? Well, je ne sais quoi. But the nearest I can get is to say that I know I am never alone and that that never aloneness is personal. It has the quality, the character of Christ. It has a Christ-like shape. And that confidence reaches down below the level of, <clears throat> of mere argument. It's, it's an existential reality in me that Christ is risen, that he's alive now through his spirit. <clears throat> archbishop Jinali luwum was killed by Idi Amin in Uganda, probably personally by Amin himself, when the archbishop went to remonstrate with him over the extrajudicial killings going on all over the country at the time. So thousands of people gathered on the hill called Namarembi, devastated at the news of their archbishop's assassination. People just stood there on the hill, dazed, stunned by what had happened. Then the retired archbishop of Uganda came out and began to read Luke's account of the resurrection, pausing at the verse where the angel says to the women, Why do you look for the living among the dead? They realised what he was saying. Spontaneously, a song of praise started rolling across the hillside. Glory, glory, alleluia. They recognised that Christ was raised from the dead and so therefore was their archbishop. The people knew it at a deeper level than mere proof. The resurrection held them at the core of their lives. And that's where I find my final piece of the jigsaw. I don't uh, claim to understand all the (coughs) conundrums of the resurrection, the process, the nature of a spiritual body and so on, but that's okay. In the resurrection, we're on the very edge of human understanding. Indeed, Tolkien, the Oxford academic who wrote The Lord of the Rings, said that the resurrection is a joy beyond the walls of the world. Lovely phrase. It's beyond us by definition. The theologian David Ford wrote, there's no ready-made world view into which resurrection fits. If we think we have a framework that contains it, then we haven't grasped the sort of event it is. But that's fine. We're creatures, not the creator. We're Harry Potter, not J.K. Rowling. We've been created, written into life, and we'll never be able to understand the genius of the of the author himself. But we know enough. We know we're not alone and that that never-aloneness is personal. It's Christ-shaped. It has the character of Christ. In 1920, three years after the Russian Revolution, a large atheist rally was held in Kiev and a powerful orator was sent from Moscow. For an hour, he demolished the Christian faith with argument and abuse and ridicule. At the end there was silence. Then questions were invited. A man got up. He was a Russian Orthodox priest and he went and stood next to the orator facing the people. Christ is risen, he said simply. And immediately the whole audience was on its feet. He's risen indeed, they replied joyfully. Exit one atheist, faced with the deep Existential conviction of the people of God. Personal experience is the final piece of the Easter jigsaw. The resurrection? Of course, it couldn't happen. That's the point. It's so outrageous, it could change your life.